0: Hey, Isaac. What? Did you hear the one about the rope? No. Skip it. (laughs) Skip it. I have heard that joke before. Okay.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. This is episode 204 and I am your host Stephen Dutzman. This week I am joined by Amanda Farrow, the Princess of Power. How are you Amanda?
0: I'm better now.
1: Uh, Yes, we're going to talk all about your adventures in Philadelphia uh, because this week is Board Game Week. And it's rather fortuitous that it's Board Game Week because last weekend you uh, ventured to the city of brotherly love and bad sports fans. And um you went to Pax Unplugged. I sure did. And so my understanding is that you played at least one board game.
0: Yes, at, at least, least one. one.
1: At least one. Listen, I'm setting the, I'm setting it low, setting the bar low cuz I know that you definitely played board games for 2 days and then you had to go home because um you tried to be a ninja and it didn't work.
0: I think it's way less glamorous than that, but yeah.
1: <laughs> um I like to think in my head that, that you're that you were being a ninja
0: that's and your head Canon my head
1: my head cannon is that you were being the princess of power and like trying to like hold up a collapsing burning building
0: you think so I love that you're on my constant hype machine
1: <laughs> and so there was a burning building and you ran into it like Wonder Woman and like as I sometimes do. And just we're holding it up, and it was just it just tweaked your ankle just a little bit because it just, just moved the it away. Wrong way. You weren't expecting it, and you really could really expect it. Those burning buildings, very uh, unpredictable. Um, and so things. your fam had to bring you home. Um, but you still had two whole days at Pax Unplugged, which is a lot of time, considering that place is jam packed with board games, being that it is a board game convention. It's true. So um, we're going to talk all about the game, uh, all about your experience there, and your thoughts on it, etc. But before we do that, we're going to go around the horn, because both of us, we played some board games.
0: We did um, games.
1: So um, why don't you start?
0: Sure. Um, the first game I want to talk about today is Noctiluca, which I think I might have already talked about for our Gen Con episode, but I want to talk about it again, because sure. I finally bought it sure Um, because it's out now and as a as a refresher in case i did in case i did already talk about this this is the game with like the jellyfish so you have so the the premise is you have this board and you are joined by three other divers at least
1: sure and
0: i think it is no i think it is just three others so you can play with up to four people but you can also play solo which is Mm -hmm. cool okay and you're diving down to go and collect these little jellyfish. Okay. And they're denoted by colorful dice that are on this game board. So uh-huh. the aim of the game is to have the most points at the end of the game. It's not hyper-competitive, but it is competitive.
1: Sure. You're
0: competing for the same kinds of dice. And the the like how the mechanic works is you look for, um, You look for ways to complete jars so you need to have specific kinds of colors it has nothing to do with the pips so the the numbers on the dice um that are on there all that does is when you say all right look i landed on this shore with my little with my little meeple guy and i'm gonna look straight down and i'm gonna pick up every die that's a two Okay. It doesn't matter what color it is because you pick up all the twos in that straight line, depending on which shore you end up landing on. Okay. And from, those di- from the dice, you go ahead and you start completing um, these jars, and that gets you points. And, you know, if you collect enough um, dice that are your favorite color, which you're assigned at the beginning of the game... Um, you rack up more points like that, too. So, I mean, sure. it's not a complicated game. It's pretty easy. Scoring's a little challenging um, because the rules are a little less, are a little bit um, obtuse.
1: So it's a little point salad? You yeah. know, like, you're just kind of getting points from all over the place, and you just gotta yeah. kind of keep track of it?
0: Yeah, and it's okay. I mean, it's... Once you got the hang of it, it's, it goes pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's some analysis paralysis when you're like, ah, there's so much to do, and there's so much to look at.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um... So, yeah, that was that was Noctiluca. Uh, I finally bought it. I was really excited. At I the played show? It. I, yeah, I bought it at the show. Um, because I played it when they had it during Gen Con, but it wasn't on sale yet. Sure. So I was really psyched that I'm like, I want this game so bad. So I finally got it. And then I played it with my family, and it was really cool. Good.
1: Okay. So um, let's take a look. Is it available for at retail, or was that a... Yeah.
0: It's available at retail.
1: Okay, let's take a look. Um, for those that are interested, not to look at. Wow, that box is very pretty. Right. That is an Amanda ass game. Um, if nothing else, just the box. Um, it's true. So it's uh, it is available on the Amazons if you so choose uh, for under thirty bucks, like twenty six dollars. Um, so well worth it. So it's probably you know MSRP twenty nine ninety nine probably at yeah. a at your friendly local game store if it is available there. But otherwise, uh, go grab it on the Amazon. Um, so I'll talk about a game, and Do then it. Um, so I played finally, finally. This has been on our shelves. I actually bought this during a uh, Target sale a while ago. Um, Show me the box. I want to see it. It is Century Spice Road.
0: Interesting. So Neato. Century
1: Spice Road is uh by Emerson M- uh, Matsuchi. Okay. And it is by plan uh from Plan B games.
0: Oh, alright.
1: And uh who make solid. good things.
0: Yeah, they make um, solid games.
1: And this is a game um about um essentially it's the theme is you are spice traders um so you're gathering saffron and cinnamon etc and you are um exchanging it the idea is you're earning points um and so this is a game where you are um there there's there's a it it, it is challenging to describe to um okay. but it takes one turn to understand how to play. Like, okay. Essentially, you have... Um, what do they call them? I'm just going to take out the instructions, guys. Because I have the box right here. Um, oh, you know what? Fun fact. We figured this out without the instructions because I lost them. Um, okay, so you have cards that are either... Uh, you have cards that you're going to pick up. You start with a hand of two. Where you can either gather two saffron. Okay. Or, oh no, you can gather two of a resource. Or, you may upgrade a resource Mm -hmm. that you already have.
0: And so,
1: as you're gathering these cubes, you're putting them on your wagon. You can only have 10 resources at a time. And so, the idea is you are over time um, picking up new kind of either exchange cards where you can take four yellow cards and turn them into three green, you know, four yellow cubes and turn them into three green cubes, et cetera. So you're just trying Mm -hmm. to kind of balance what you have. Um, So you're kind of building like an engine where you're bringing in resources and converting them into things. Um, I
0: love engine games.
1: And then when you run, when you have used all your cards, You can rest and take no actions for a turn and pick everything up. So you're kind of doing stuff. Um, And the Mm -hmm. idea is you are trying to create different combinations of spices on your caravan that you can trade in for scoring cards. There might be one that says you need three brown and two yellow and two red. And if you get that, it's worth 17 points Um, or whatever. And so you would take a turn and you would kind of buy that. And so you are competing with your um with your opponents to generate these combinations of resources to build an efficient engine to kind of gather resources and kind of gather enough to do something Uh, i played you know one game i played the first one we played my mother was playing with us and she neglected to pick up any cards that allowed her to to gather Okay. Um, so she could only gather, like, two cubes whenever she rested. And she had no way to, like, trade those two for anything more. And so oh. she really struggled. Um, and so you're kind of building this engine and trying to be efficient and buying these scorecards. Um, okay. The art is gorgeous. Um, It looks
0: pretty, like the box art's really nice. Yeah, the box
1: is really nice. It's part of a series. There are three right now. Yes, there are three games in the series right now. Where are they? Um, Oh, it's on the inside of the box. So in 2017, they released Century Spice Road. And then uh, in 2018, they released Century Eastern Wonders. And then in 2019, they released Century... A New World, which takes place in North America. okay, um, right. And so all of them are... <coughs> they have the same kind of, like, up-high goals, right? You're getting resources and you're trading them and doing stuff. Um, this game says... What does it say? It says that it is for ages 8 and up, 2 to 5 players, and it plays in about a half hour. Um, I think that... That is a very reasonable assessment. This game is not super complicated. That's um, great. A game savvy kid. There's no reading. There's it's all some you know all symbols.
0: All um, iconography. So okay.
1: and yeah, exactly. All iconography. That's the word that I was looking for. So a game savvy kid that was even younger than that could absolutely grok this and get it. Um, the cards are. I, I have slowly developing a love for games that use uh, tarot card-sized cards as opposed to regular cards. I don't know why. There's just something about them. Um, For me, I'm clumsy, and they're easier for me to shuffle. Um, So when it's my turn to shake, um, I get it done efficiently without cards going everywhere, Um, like a bad magic trick. So, yeah, that's Century Spice Road. This game is readily available at Target, It's ranked
0: fairly well on on Board Game Geek as well. Mm -hmm. I'm taking a look right now, and it looks like uh, Century Spice Road and Century... Century... um, Yeah, so Century Spice Road is rated at like 234. That ain't bad. Anything under 1,000 is a good game. That means it's
1: good, yeah. And there's also, for those folks that are like, you know historical thing. I prefer some fantasy. Um, they actually have a game uh, that is Century uh, Golem Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, which which is, is
0: also rated quite well.
1: Which is also rated quite well. It is almost literally the same game as Century Spice Road. The difference is, instead of spices, you're getting crystals and you're trying to build golems. Um, oh, that's so cool. It is not readily available on Amazon. No. However, you will find it at you know friendly local game stores. You might be able to get it used, that type of thing. Um, but
0: do you math know, trades.
1: Thirty bucks or trades, et cetera. Thirty bucks for, you know, really any of these Century games. I will be by by the end of next year. I will own all of them. That's, mm-hmm. and that was determined in one game. I was like, no, we got to have all of these. I like them so. Um, that Century Spice Road. Um, so I guess this is an old game, quote unquote, because it came out in 2017. Um, but yeah. it is definitely worth a look. Um. You know, I, I'm. it felt very uh, – here's what it felt like. It felt very Splendor to me, Ooh. which is high praise because people who know this know that Splendor is arguably one of my favorite games of all time. It's not quite Letter Tycoon, but it's pretty good. And Letter Tycoon is my favorite board game of all time. Have you played Letter Tycoon I didn't know
0: yet? know that. No, I haven't.
1: I'll bring it when I come visit. All right, so that is Century Spice Road. I love it. Um, it looks really
0: interesting. I think I might have to pick it up.
1: I mean, I'll bring it, and you can try it.
0: <gasps> Better, I love it. We're gonna have we're gonna have like a day where we play board games and we talk strategy, and it's gonna be red.
1: Yep, probably. Um, I hope so. At least. Um, either that or I'll just cry for a day. Um, it will be a. Okay. It's a joke. I don't know. I cry about everything. Um, okay, I do too. Yeah, <laughs> so, I to really exactly. Together, That's so. why we are best friends. Okay, so, um so that's that was my thing so you why don't you go next what okay
0: so we don't have to talk about all the games that i played but i will talk about um one of the games that actually really surprised me that i ended up playing with mike so we were we were at a kickstarter party at a board game cafe during Mm -hmm. Pax unplugged Mm -hmm. and it was it was really it wasn't like packed or anything for a while and we got to the end of the night and we'd been playing with a few friends of ours we ended up playing this rpg called expedition okay. and Exped- expedition is like an rpg in a box where okay. you just pull cards and you move through it like that okay and it's it's really interesting and like you you also um it's it's app enabled so you're you're able to go through content that has already been written by Fabricate, which is the developers. There are a bunch of different scenarios that you can play through and they really walk you through building your first character, um, you know, building out your party and then moving through some of the mechanics that you need in order to get through uh, combat so we we only ended up playing like a, a 20 minute tutorial of it but i really enjoyed it it was it was illuminating it was the kind of game where it, we were able to tell a story like a meaningful story in a very short amount of time sure and this kind of app enabled these kinds of app enabled rpgs like uh expedition and we also had a great conversation with weave mike and i had a great conversation with weave um by Monocle Society. It came out a couple years ago.
1: Mm -hmm. We've talked about it on the show before. We Um, have, yeah. And I was hoping, and let's put a pin in Weave, because I want to talk about Weave, because they have some interesting stuff going on. And I know you have, I know that it made you feel a certain kind of way. So, um, so carrying on.
0: So yeah, so that's, that's Expedition. Expedition was really... I was interested in it, and it's a relatively inexpensive investment. It's like thirty bucks, I yep. think. It
1: is available currently, believe it or not, on the Amazon's um, as an Amazon's choice um, for twenty nine ninety nine for the base set, and then there and then are
0: $50 for the horror edition,
1: mm-hmm. and then the future.
0: Yeah, we don't have. I think that, that comes we might
1: after, after horror. It, you need the base game. Apparently, you need the base game and the horror to play the f- for the future and then apparently yeah, there's just, a deluxe steadily, edition
0: yeah it steadily ramps up in terms of the difficulty of the narrative mm-hmm. um, it has a little bit of flexibility it's not a ton but it's also really satisfying because it's a GM-less R- RPG so that everybody can just get into playing the game together instead of having mm-hmm. someone be like okay I guess I will just sit around and plan everything on my own Sure.
1: I mean, gemless role-playing games are fun, especially if you're in a group of people that are experienced with tabletop role-playing games and are comfortable with each other, or at the very least comfortable with improv, Um, because then it just turns into – it really does emphasize the whole idea that tabletop role-playing games are – collaborative storytelling and so this just really minimizes that and if you have that group where just nobody wants to be the DM this gives you the ability for no one to have to be the DM
0: mm-hmm. it's true
1: um, which is a problem that a lot of groups have um, Yep. and this is the solution or one of those solutions so yeah it's available on the Amazons 30 bucks a bunch of cards if you want to get fancy there is a deluxe edition that comes in a very nice box and has some cool, like, coins and stuff. So if you want to get bougie with it, uh, that's that's
0: $50.
1: Perfect. Um, but it also has room. It's kind of like the bigger blacker box or whatever for um, Cards Against Humanity, which is something we don't talk about, but they put out an... Or, uh, what's the game? Smash Up, where they just released, like, a box with room for all the expansions. That's mm-hmm. kind of what the Deluxe Edition is. It's got the base game and plenty of room for all the expansions that exist and very likely room for all the further expansions. So that is uh, that is very cool. I'm glad that you got a chance to play that. I have heard about that. Um, it was
0: great. Have I have never known another human. Again.
1: All right. I've never known another human being who had played it. So now I am quite excited because I know too. Great. Um. Okay, so I do think we'll actually have time to talk about all the games that you have. So why don't you talk about the next one?
0: Oh, dang. You do okay, two in a row, um,
1: and then I'll do one, and then you do the one. Okay. one.
0: So the other one that I want to talk about is Letter Jam. So again, I think I might have talked about Letter Jam during, That's okay. during the whole Gen Con thing, but I got it finally. This game was completely out of stock at Gen Con. It came out at Gen Con, I think, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't get it. I just I needed to get my hands on it. It just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I was really upset. Yeah. I finally got it. It was the first stop that I it was one of the first stops that we made when we got to Philadelphia. Is I'm like, listen, I'm getting Letter Jam.
1: <laughs> You're like, forget, forget staying, stopping at the Airbnb forget guys. Everything. Forget breakfast. I'm gonna, I'm All gonna it. put on shoes and my letter robe, jam. and we're going to get Letter Jam.
0: We're going to get Letter Jam. We're going to check games, and I'm getting Letter Jam finally. Sure. Okay, so. Letter Jam is another word game, but this game is completely cooperative. So it's not competitive at all. Everybody is is sitting down trying to help everybody else guess their own word. So you guess it one letter at a time. You have the so what you do first is you draw a bunch of letters and you try to spell a word. It's recommended that you start with a five letter word because it's a little bit easier. Uh-huh. And so once you've got your word, you pass it to the right. Uh-huh. And so that person puts those like after you have to shuffle it so that it's not obvious what the word is. So you put that, you shuffle it, you put that card the cards in front of in front of your in, in front of your player area. You have a stand and that stand is where you put the letter that you need to guess. So everyone else can see your letter, but you can't see it. So you have to guess it based okay. on the different kinds of clues that you've been given around the table. So once you all have your letters in front of you and you're just like, okay, so I'm looking around, I'm seeing a bunch of letters here. Uh, I can spell a word that has five letters that uses all the players. So, you know, like for us, it was, there were four players, so I can use three players and there were two dummy cards on either side and I can use the uh, the wild card in the middle, it mm-hmm. was great. And the the best thing is that it's all about it's all about working together and figuring out what the best ways are for for you to guess your own words. So for me, one of the examples that I one of the clues I ended up giving was I spelled fruit. So I put the it comes with poker chips. So you put poker chips down in. In order, so like this is the first letter, so it's marked with a one. This is the second letter, this is the third letter, this is the fourth letter. So they're seeing it spelled out, and more often than not, you will have a player sit well. I mean, like every single turn, you'll have at least one player looking at the word and being like, Oh, this is just a big question mark. Um, but I based on these clues, I can kind of figure out what the letter is based on what I think the word is. And I mean, you can still screw it up, right? I mean, there are still a number of different words out there that use four letters and, you know, there's there's still a fair amount of guessing. But you get to the end of the game after you've given out all your clues and you've, you know, there's a flower in the center that, you know, you're plucking petals off of to denote how many turns you have left. Um, And so you get to the end of the game and you start revealing and you're just like, okay, well, I think that this word is chirp. I thought it was chair. Was it chair? Might've been something else. Anyway. So I think this word is this, I'm going to start spelling it out. And it's not, we had a number of flubs when we were playing letter jam where Mike, for example, was like, oh, this is a tiffer. Wait, what's a tiffer? What's tiffers? I don't understand tiffers. And I, I can't remember what the word was exactly, but it was really hilarious. So we house ruled it and we're like, listen, if, was it, t- what was, but what was the actual word? What was the actual word? Oh, it was first. That's what it was. Tiffers was first, couldn't remember it. We laughed so friggin hard though. It was hilarious. Um, and I made him define it. I'm just like, no, if we screw it up, you have to use the word in the sentence. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of fun with that.
1: I am nervous about this game because I'm getting Hanabi vibes.
0: No, no.
1: And you know, not Hanabi.
0: Because you know, I don't you like know Hanabi. how I
1: feel about Hanabi.
0: No, I have those same feelings. I don't like Hanabi. No, okay. this game is definitely not like Hanabi. Okay. It is hysterical.
1: Okay. I mean, really... all the people that I have played Hanabi with thought it was hysterical when I got raging angry trying to play it. But, but.
0: No, you come to our house. I will. Fine, will, I will play you jam. I'll play Letter Jam. And you will have a really good time because we will we will trash talk each other that's and it will be hysterical.
1: Okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right. So that's Letter Jam. Uh, for those interested, um, by the at, by the time you are listening to this, it will likely be sold out on the Amazon. However, this is Check Games. They are not known for under producing their board games, so um, they'll do another print run. It'll be fine. Uh, throw it in your throw it in your Amazon cart. You'll find it. It's about thirty five dollars right now. Um, But you might be able to get it at your friendly local game store Um, because Check Games is also very good about that. Okay, so um, let me talk about. All right. Let me talk. I'm going to talk about something that is not great. Okay, Um,
0: walk me through it. So
1: this is a game that was sent to me um, a couple weeks ago. I had somebody who. was representing a... like, a new imprint for, I believe, Asthma day.
0: Oh.
1: Um, let me look. Let me look it up. Because this is... Because I don't want to besmirch the wrong name. Um. Let's see here. I can do this. Yeah. New line of kids' games. And I got this thing. Yes. Um... And they are for Asmodee. And so they have a new younger audience focused studio called Cod Cod. K O D K O D. Okay. Um, that is intended for little ones.
0: Like uh, little, little ones? Like younger well, than our This kiddos?
1: game is for ages eight and up. So that's why oh. I actually brought this, because this, this game is targeted for um, eight and up. And so is Century Spice Road. <laughs> um, and the game that they, they sent me several of them. Four games. This is the one that we opened first because it looked like an abstract strat- style strategy game, and those are my middle son's jam. Oh yeah. And I was le- and we look at the back, and I was like, no, this is their kind of thing. Um, and the game is called Good and Bad Ghosts. Okay. So, uh, it's a two-player game,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what it feels like is a little bit of um a cross between Stratego. And Chinese checkers. In that, you have eight ghosts, four of them good and four of them bad. And you are the only one who knows which of your ghosts are good and which of your ghosts are bad. And the idea is you put them down on the map, kind of however you want. And the goal is to do one or two. You win. Um, You basically, you're on like a checkerboard. And you can only move orthogonally. No diagonals. So, right. one space at a time, forward or back, left all or right. right. And the idea is um, you I, you win by either, um, tricking your opponent into capturing all four of your bad ghosts, okay, or capturing all of your opponent's good ghosts, or making one of your guys escape. The other one of your good ghosts escape on the other side of the board. Okay. And so we we know this was for eight plus, um, but you know we figured you know we let the two boys at it, and so they played half a dozen games. Um, okay, so
0: they gave it a really fair shake.
1: And then they came to me and they were like, "Dad, this game's broken."
0: <laughs> oh um, no!
1: And I was like, "Well, what do you mean?" And so the issue is. Um, whoever went first automatically won because all you had to do was just walk in a straight line and escape because there was nothing that your opponent could do because if, like, if you capture your opponent's, like, bad ghost, you just, you, that's it. You captured it. Oh, so no. So if they just maneuvered their guys to the p- appropriate position, it's just whoever went first won. And there, and so um, I think that this, I, I, I I don't know how that problem got past adult playtesters, um, Oof. because it That's is. Yikes. Yeah. And I, I was, I was like, no, this has to be wrong. Let me read the instructions. You know, maybe we're, maybe you guys are playing something different. No, it is not. So, um, the only way to really play it, um, at which point I think we, we theory crafted how to make it better. um, is that you could just remove the rule for escape, and then make okay. it into like a bluffing game where it's you're just really messing with your opponents. Um, but even then,
0: that's not super kid friendly though. Like bluffing not, games are really challenging uh, for kids. Oh, great! And it teaches and it teaches them like how to be deceptive, which, while entertaining, isn't sending the right message. Yeah, it's not a. <laughs>
1: um. Yes, I do not disagree with you. So we struggled with it. Now, this is something that... I mean, Asmodee is doing this with... This is very clearly. um, Just looking at the packaging. I mean, I'll show you in the camera. This is the kind of game you're going to see on a shelf at Target. Yeah. Um, And it's hard... You know me. I don't like to be negative. Um, No. But this is one that I really struggled with. Um, This is a game that... You know, we're going to write our review and we'll we'll put our, you know, pictures up on Instagram and everything. And then ultimately this game is going to get dismantled for parts. Um, so that we can use... Because, I mean, the ghost figures are kind of neat. Like the ghost pieces are, you know, like I can... If you look at them, they're just like little ghost dudes. Little you know. ghost dudes are cool. Um, so I'll probably no. use those for Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> um, so that is Good and Bad Ghosts, a game of wit, strategy, and bluff um which that troubles me in and of itself because like bluff it bluff just seems awkward there like and bluffing but whatever um <coughs> so yeah that's good and bad ghosts from codcod now i will say the other 3 games they sent us i actually feel a little bit better about okay. two of them are targeted at a younger audience and they're uh you know one of them is about kind of it's kind of guessing what isn't part of the pattern and like spotting okay. the difference and then there's like a cooperative one that's kind of like figuring out clue all at once you know all together um okay. that sounds kind of neat so i'm i i think this is just one of those i'm sorry what
0: that fox game that
1: game right yeah it's kind of like outfoxed from game right so i think this might have just been the one like maybe they just needed to have four in the line and they just this is just one they had to have i don't know like it could have been target was like fine we'll let you have some space but you got to put out four games mm-hmm. and they just didn't have a, another fourth one um i'm i'm terrified of what the fifth idea was um because if that you know it's a great idea in concept it's just frustrating yeah. that it was not well play tested because it took my boys six games-ish to figure it out. Probably less because I think they had three, but they played a lot. Um, but they knew it was broken after like two or three playthroughs. So, um, yeah. So that is uh, Good and Bad Ghosts by Cod. And I think we'll look and see if it's on Amazon in case anybody really needs some ghost figures. Um, Is it on the Amazon yet? It is not. Um, Which makes sense because it's relatively new to market. But soon. So if you really need some ghost figures for your Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Okay. (laughs) Um,
0: I don't think we will because we got got skinny minis.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys are fine. You guys are fine. And as I, sh- I sent you some pictures that showed that I am also fine because I found my Myth Kickstarter um, that was in my basement for a while, and I found many, 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 many figures. Um, okay, so we've talked about a bunch. Um, now, this will be a summer rerun from uh, Gen Con, but I definitely want to hear your opinion now that you have played it. Tell me your thoughts on Unmatched.
0: Okay, so now that I have actually played Unmatched... We ended up playing it while. Um, so this is this happened a little while ago. This happened what around Thanksgiving? I think we I think we played this around Thanksgiving when mm-hmm. um, our mutual friend came down from Rochester. Okay. So he came over and he's like, "Hey, I have all of this Unmatched stuff, and I have some stuff I'm also I'm also play testing for them. So can we sit down? Can we play?" And I'm like, "I have been psyched about Unmatched since Gen Con." So we sat down and we actually ended up getting our teenage daughter and her best friend playing in a separate match. They Oops. were just playing against each other. And we ended up, the three, the three of us? No, the four of us ended up playing together. So it was me, uh, James, my, uh, Mike, and our friend Kelsey. And we ended up playing like a free-for-all match between the four of us. That game is nuts. It is yeah. high tension. It is extremely competitive, even when you're playing on a team. So I was playing on, um, I was playing on James's team, and was I playing on James's team? Yes, I was playing on James's team, and Mike and Kelsey were playing together. So we were trying to like take each other out. He was playing. I think if you think he was playing like Sasquatch, Sasquatch
1: I was playing...
0: is great. Yeah, I was playing um, a character that hasn't come out yet, so I don't think I can talk about it. But it was really hard. It was hard to figure out those mechanics. And Mike was playing, what was Mike playing as? Mike might have been playing as somebody that wasn't that hadn't come out yet either. Um, but anyway, it doesn't really matter what we were playing. The point is, is that we ended up diving in full force, and that game is ridiculously cool. Like, the mechanics are really interesting. I love the strategy elements that are involved with it. Like, you have to be so smart about the way that you are interacting with both your cards, your partner's cards, how that synergy works, um, whether or not you're gonna be able to end your turn anywhere near an ally. Or in my case, I had had some minions and I wasn't allowed to end my turn near my minions ever. Otherwise, bad things would happen to my minions so I mean that game has like infinite replayability too because they're always going to they're going to be releasing they've already released a ton of characters and they have a ton of characters that are currently in playtesting so it's just it's fascinating whole thing is just fascinating so I've been I really really enjoyed it and we ended up picking up the base set and I think that we're going to start buying the expansions if we already haven't Uh, but we got the Bruce Lee one in so we're looking forward to that one too that one looks awesome
1: yeah, Bruce Lee doesn't have a, a companion. It's just nope. him.
0: Whereas well, course everybody
1: course. else has multiple, like, you know, King Arthur and Merlin. Or, mm-hmm. you know, what you know, Robin Hood and his Merry Men. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Bruce Lee is a one-man army, which is hilarious. That's fair. Um, hilarious and appropriate. Um,
0: Extremely appropriate. Yeah,
1: I played Unmatched in its pre-Gen Con state. Um, so before it was released, um, and I'm very excited to see, um, you know, how they continue to support it. Um, this is one of those games that's just going to keep on showing up. Um, and I just can't wait to see what they, what comes next. Um, so.
0: Because there is some, well, I can't wait to like share with you the bonkers stuff that I played.
1: Yeah. Um, I knew, I know some of the things that they have, uh that they were hoping for. Um, So yeah, Unmatched, essentially folks, it is, it's a, it's a dudes on a map kind of game. However, um, the dudes on a map piece is stripped down as much as possible. um, And it really uses, you know, card based mechanics. um, And it, the idea is, it is a weird battleground of heroes. um, And, as many of them as possible coming from public domain, um, which is actually really cool. Um, you know, and they they are certainly exploring licenses from a company called Mondo, who actually has a lot of really cool reach um, as far as you know what kind of characters they can get in there. But I know they're using you know Robin Hood and Sasquatch and Alice from Alice in Wonderland and Sinbad. Um, you know, and so and it's only going to get crazier, you know. You heard Bruce Lee. So the idea of having Bruce Lee fight Robin Hood and the Sinbad is pretty cool. Um It is a yeah, we don't have it yet. Um but we will at some point. So it is a um it's super cool, very simple, and I love the art style. The art style mm-hmm. is great. All the characters have like a very unique um, you know, color color scheme so you really can kind of tell what they're up to. Yeah, it's great. It is great. So that's unmatched.
0: It's an excellent game. I'm so happy that we got it, and I'm so happy that we ended up being able to sit down and uh, and hang out with our friend Kelsey, and he brought over all of this incredible yeah. stuff.
1: Um, and let's see, is it, it available? So the game is called Unmatched Battle of Legends. Is the base game. Yes. Um, and let's see here. Let's see what we got. So um, be careful what you search for with Unmatched, I guess, on Amazon. Uh, let's look up Unmatched Battle of Legends. Specifically. Yikes. Um, and so the volume one is King Arthur, Alice, Sinbad, and Medusa are the four characters in the base game. Um, yes. they're calling it volume 1 so they're just kind of getting right out the gate. Um yeah. and they have and that's $40 well worth it for that. They have an expansion that is Robin Hood for Robin Hood versus Bigfoot. Um they have Bruce Lee and then they have uh, a Jurassic Park expansion uh which is one of the guys from Jurassic Park and Raptors. Mm-hmm. Um and they've announced several others that are coming. There's one that's uh, horror villains. So, like, you know, think The Invisible Man, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, stuff like that. Um, and then, obviously, you've seen some things. So, oh, I've um, seen some stuff. So, and just look it up on Amazon. Look it up on Board game Geek. You'll see what we mean. Uh, this is a really cool game. Medusa, by the way, real, real messed up. Um, I do not like playing against Medusa. She can one-shot kill you. Um, as That's- she does. Um. So that we talked about a lot of board games.
0: We really did.
1: So a why do of board we, games. So why don't we take a break? Because I need to rest. Um. And then when we come back, we're gonna talk about um. Well, we'll have two topics because we're gonna talk a little bit about weave because I know that that game makes you feel a certain kind of way. It um. Really does. And we're gonna talk about just packs unplugged in general because I think it is slowly turning into one of the most important shows in all board games, Um, which is saying a lot. So, folks, we'll be back in a minute. everybody. This is Steve. I'm the host. If you like listening to this podcast, you probably like some of our other content too. You can find that all over social media. So make sure to head over to facebook.com slash Engaged Family Gaming. Perhaps you might like to see some stuff on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash E-F-G-A-M-I-N-G. Or maybe you just want to head on over to Instagram and look for Engaged Family Gaming there. See you later, guys. Bye now.
0: Hello,
1: everyone. Welcome back to episode 204 of the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. I'm still Steven, and I'm still here with the Princess of Power, Amanda Farrow. Um, and so we've got a couple of topics. Um, to round out this week's board game episode, um, we'll talk about Pax Unplugged last because I think that might just be you and me, kind of, you know, um, you know, just kind of thinking about it, um, as we are wont to do. But you had some good discussions with the folk with the Monocle Society, the folks behind Weave, while you were at um, Pax Unplugged. And you tweeted about it and said some pro what I feel is probably some profound things and said that you had profound thoughts. So, um, profound at me. Tell me, okay, what is up with Weave?
0: You know, when I first saw Weave in 2017, it was like it was the first PAX unplugged, I think. And I was kind of blown away by it because app enabled RPGs that were. App-enabled RPGs in general were really challenging, and they weren't interesting. Mm-hmm. And what I felt like at that Weave does well is it allows you to create a story within a confi- within a container. So you are drawing. Co- so how Weave works, and I mean we've talked about Weave before, but just as a refresher, how Weave works is you download the app. You get the base game, which come with a number of tarot cards, and they're very abstract. It kind of looks like you're going to sit down and play Dixit, but it isn't. And you scan the cards into the app and say, okay, so this card represents my setting. This card represents, um, you know, the boss. And this card represents uh, the theme. So what it is that over, like overall what is going on in this particular story. Mm-hmm. You can play them as one-offs, you can play them as longer campaigns, you can remix uh, some of these campaigns so that you know, even if you wanted to play one of the preset campaigns, you can still remix it and do it your way. Mm-hmm. That's what I really like about Weave. I like that Weave removes a lot of the barriers to entry for RPGs and makes it really easy to just make a character. You can make a character in three minutes. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes. And it all again, all it is is just drawing cards from the deck, scanning them into the app, and then saving the saving that particular character to your uh, to your Weave account. And you can do that with everybody at the table. Only one person has to own Weave. You don't all have to have it. And the great thing about that is that it still can be a it still can be uh an experience that is really reminiscent of um say Shadowrun anarchy children can't play Shadowrun anarchy it is very not for kids but you can build campaigns that are very um futuristic and cyberpunk that deal with those kinds of topics in that particular setting without getting too heavy and too deep because as we all know cyberpunk is an extremely challenging setting to to role play in because there are lots of different things that you have to consider mm-hmm. um and there are, so weave is great like that you can tailor the content you can remix it you can do whatever it is that you want to do but part of the conversation that i really liked is weave is introducing something brand new there are some, they're introducing a subscription service and as you know i'm a big fan of subscription services i think they're great we had a big debate about it a few episodes back. I think I think Mike and I had a big debate about it a few episodes back. Yeah, we be, yeah.
1: We got to be early. careful when you say we because I was blessed to be able to just sit back and learn and experience. <laughs> okay, so Mike
0: and I, you
1: and Mike, and had a folks, debate. Um, if you are very, if you're interested, go back a few episodes. I believe it is episode two hundred yes. um, and one. Yes. And yeah, you guys. You know, we went. We ran a little long we went Um, for it though but that's okay because you guys um kind of you you shared your thoughts because subscription services definitely make you guys feel a certain kind of way um and that's fine Mm -hmm. um so yes so you do like subscription services when done correctly
0: yes because especially especially if it's in favor of supporting development and supporting content and supporting the community, and so what I really loved about the way that Weave is approaching their subscription, which they're calling Weave Plus, is again only one person at the table needs to have that Weave Plus subscription. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be working in a world that's that person with Weave Plus has pulled together, um, you can do that. You don't have to own. You don't have to own the game at all. All you need is a Weave account. That's it. And. Even though it seems really counterintuitive, and this is something that we talked to uh, the folks at Weave about extensively. So we talked to um, the executive producer. His name is Tristan. And we talked to the COO. His name is Mike. So we talked to Tristan and Mike a lot about about different approaches to RPGs and... (laughs) uh children
1: <laughs> um so we talked so you talked to him about different yes. approaches
0: different approaches to RPGs and how even though it's kind of counterintuitive to bring a phone to the table because you don't necessarily want people to be distracted it's not something that you're going to be looking at all the time you're just going to be pulling it up every once in a while to be like oh yeah i need to make this test so i need to roll this number of die um in this many elements and have this many successes in order to you know make that happen. But a lot of it is done in the app. It's very fr- it's a frictionless experience to the to the best of the ability of of the game. So and it's constantly evolving. So yeah, we had some, we had some really we had a really great conversation with Tristan and, and Mike during uh, during Pax Unplugged where, you know, they're going to keep us they're going to keep us posted about Weave Plus, which is great. And we're going to be bringing Weave to the table at some point during December to really start to dig into it with the little ones
1: good. Well, I look forward to hearing um and or reading your experiences and thoughts on Weave cuz it, it it's pretty cool. I first encountered Weave at the first packs unplugged. Um and it was actually Linda who bounced into the guy first. Um and I didn't know what to make of it then. I think what's what's interesting is like I don't think I was in the right place at that time to really, really give it like the coverage that it deserved. So we were, you know, cause we were in kind of a weird spot. And I also think like they were in a different space and I th- I'm excited to talk about it more, um, in the coming year, because I think weave is going to kind of, it, it is slowly building like this really big presence, um, mm-hmm. and doing all the right stuff. Absolutely. Um, and again, This is a collaborative storytelling experience that is something that is intentionally designed to simplify the role-playing experience um, and also be more accessible by nature of the fact that it is so broad, right? Yes. A lot of things do accessibility by picking one very specific niche and just kind of delving into it um, and trying to just make it easier to understand that one thing. Um, Weave does everything.
0: <laughs> yeah um,
1: and also keeps it somewhat simple um, And so yeah I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it.
0: Me too I'm really excited to dive in. I mean this is the kind of game where it was it's really meant to play with people that just don't role play or uh-huh. just don't know how to, to get to go dive into it and being able to be that this is gonna be me digging into my coding background that extensible. You know, it's just, it, it's delightful. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Weave Plus subscription is going to roll out. I think it's rolling out in Q1 next year. So, you know, keep your eyes peeled for, for more information on that. And I think that if all goes well, you know, I should be contributing to to Engage Family Gaming in a more concrete sense very soon.
1: Um. Yeah, that sounds great to me. Um, And definitely excited to hear more about Weave um in general. Um
0: I'm into man, it.
1: Yeah, I know. what well, yeah, it's a, it's pretty neat. Also, um it's tarot cards. So we do it's
0: tarot cards. We do
1: like tarot sized decks of cards. It's
0: RFID tarot cards yeah, well, more that's, importantly. I mean,
1: because it's twenty nineteen, almost twenty twenty. Of course it's Heck, RFID. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of when we first met uh, Weave and the Monocle Society, mm-hmm. um we both We ha- we were both at the first PAX together and didn't know each other at that time. We did not. Um, I actually have not been to PAX Unplugged since, which is a crime against nature, but largely just because this is a bad time of year for me to travel. I will not make that mistake again. Um,
0: it's also earlier next year. It's um, before yeah. Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, that is true, um, which is a good thing. Interestingly enough, it's, it conflicts with... BGGCon next year, but what are you gonna do? Oh,
0: it does, um, yeah, isn't that doesn't it?
1: really so much impact me because BGGCon is in Florida. So <laughs> if I can get the oh, is it
0: yeah, in Florida next I think year? So. It was in it was in Texas this year.
1: I think it's in... I don't know it it's in the same. It's not it's not like in Hartford. Like Got it. you know what I mean? Like I'm not I don't have to make that kind of because that would be an easy choice for me. Um, yeah. Sorry, packs unplugged. Um. So packs unplugged is um, the board, I mean, for lack of for the easiest explanation it is the board game arm of the PAX convention series um, and it really gives tabletop and board game companies an opportunity to like take center stage so I think it's safe to say and you've been to far more PAX's than me being that you're like an actual professional um, the you know, PAX is really about the video games and has always been, like, that's that's yep. what takes center stage. Tabletop and, you know, board games are have always been there, but they've yes. kind of existed in the periphery. They're what you do after, after the show hours. is over. Yeah. Um,
0: you go to the board game library, you go pick up a few games that you want to play with your friends, you go hang out at a hotel nearby. Yeah. You know, especially at PAX West. Like, PAX West just has those vibes.
1: And, um... But PAX Unplugged really kind of gives those companies that may have just avoided it because they didn't want to deal with the investment to be an afterthought to mm. really kind of take center stage. Um, they started it in 2017 and, um, it's in Philadelphia at their convention center and it's a pretty big deal. What do you, I mean, what, do you, what are your, uh, so how did you feel when it was announced? Like wh- what was your initial gut reaction?
0: When Pax Unplugged was first announced, yeah. I was ecstatic. It's in Philly. It's an hour and a half away from me. I was so excited that I would not have to get on a plane. I wouldn't have to get on a train. I could just get there in a car, and I wouldn't need green eggs and ham. So. <laughs>
1: um, I see what you did there. I see what you did there.
0: <laughs> um, I, you can tell I have a child that's learning how to read.
1: Uh, I get it. Listen, that's a, that's a good book to learn to read. Um, it really is. So... When I, I mean, I first heard about it at PAX, um, you know, at PAX East is when I first heard about it, um, and I thought it was, I agree with you, I was, ecstatic is probably not the right word because it was actually, you know, Philly is relatively far from Connecticut comparatively. However, um, I knew, you know, just from talking to some of the board game folks that I see at Toy Fair and I see at Boston Festival of Independent Games and I also see at you know, PAX East um, you know, they they really just wanted a place to be their own that wasn't Gen Con or Essen things like that you know video game conventions have clearly blown up all over the world um, and board game conventions are starting to do that, right? Like, we're starting to see a lot of smaller conventions slowly get bigger and grow, et cetera. Um, it's just, it, it, it took PAX long enough to kind of read the room. Um, it's, a, I mean, so has, how do you feel like it has grown over the last couple of years? I mean, has is it bigger? Is it the same?
0: What do yeah. you think? Oh, it's, it's definitely bigger. It is way, way bigger than it ever was before. I think that this year especially was huge. Um, they completely changed the layout of the floor. The entrances are way different. There's much more of an emphasis on security this year. There was last year too, uh, but there were multiple ways to get into the show, in like into the convention center. There's only like two ways to get in now, um, because they need they need metal detectors and they need you to like follow protocol. So that was one of the bigger challenges for this year but when we're, when we're talking about the evolution of the show there's a lot more space for first looks for demos for tournaments for free play like and there's some really great panels too like we went to we went to a panel about um uh about how to make board games funny like how do we make board games funny how do we make board, how do we make tabletop rpgs more approachable for children you know, things like oh, that. And went,
1: I, oh, good. You went to that one. I asked about I that one on Twitter and um, they said that it wasn't recorded, but you went it to wasn't it. It
0: wasn't. I did. Yeah. It didn't have any like hard and fast facts or anything like that. There wasn't any really examples, which was kind of disappointing. Um, and as much as I love, as much as I both love and respect the vast majority, cause, like I, I knew almost everybody on the panel either by reputation or personally but and i mean like i like those people but i didn't really find value in the way that they presented the material is because it, possible, it was very much so
1: is it possible that you felt that way just because you like you know that stuff
0: i mean there's granted yeah that could very much that could very much so be the case i was looking for like tips and tricks i guess to modify things like D D. Uh, 5e or different kinds of game systems that I should be playing in or I could be playing in mm-hmm. um but it was more along the lines of like here are the ways that you can approach it with an eye for child development and because it was it was very clinical there's a lot of folks on the stage that had a clinical background in psychology so I mean it was really great to hear their perspectives but it wasn't quite the tips and tricks that I was looking for sure so but it was it was still good and it was still worthwhile because it was interesting to think about having to modify uh tabletop rpgs for kids that are on the spectrum okay and the different kinds of approaches that you would need in order to take care of that um and just you know making sure that you're being inclusive to neuro atypical children in general so
1: that that's one thing that i've definitely noticed over the last couple of years because in 2017 uh i think they had like five panels Yes, like there were really almost of... none, and now it's slowly ramping up.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, still not, not quite like...
1: PAX, not like PAX Prime or PAX East no. or whatever.
0: No, it's nothing. It's nothing like PAX West or PAX East. It's you know Speaking the channels which... are not cool. They're they're not um, even remotely the focus. I suppose. Yeah.
1: Um, speaking of which, non-sacqueror, I don't. Did you know that the panel submission deadline for Pax East is the thirteenth?
0: Oh no, I didn't. Yeah. I wanted to go ahead and submit a few. I don't know if I'm going to have the wherewithal to, though. Let's we'll figure
1: it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um. So, because it hit me uh, yesterday, because they sent me uh, an email. By the way, did you submit anything yet, Nobby? I did not. Um. But we'll figure it out. Um. Or we'll just make Mike do it. Um, <laughs> isn't that why we have a news guy? Um, yeah. Anyway, so
0: reasons, the, yeah,
1: awesome. I've definitely noted. I mean, obviously he is of vet. Va- I'm not saying he's not a value. Um, um, so, he knows that. um, so the, yeah, man, I just, it, here's the, I'm struggling with my own words today. It's it, it, because of its location. Philadelphia, which is East Coast. It feels to me, um, is the the other really, really big convention in the United States is Gen Con. Yes. Which is center of the country in Indianapolis. Um the for those of us on the East Coast, I think Pax Unplug is slowly growing to the point where it is becoming um, you know, it's gonna be equal. At some point. I wonder if part of that is just because board games are growing so fast and the board game community is growing so fast that there's like a hunger for another big show or more big shows? Or I mean, it if it be. or if it's just because they're doing a really good job. Or maybe both I
0: think that it's it could be I think it's a combination of things. I mean, Pax Unplugged is quickly becoming that kind of a show for a multitude of reasons. I mean, it's accessible to board game publishers from up and down the East coast. And that not just in uh, America either that's Canadians as well that are coming down from Ontario and from Quebec. Mm -hmm. Although you don't see nearly as many from Quebec because you know, what are we going to do with French Canadian games in Philadelphia? Like that's, that's hard. That's a hard sell.
1: Sure. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about what, what, uh, What a what those games look like. Are they all like like I don't even know. Like is it just all the game pieces are hockey pucks?
0: It's French first. Oh, it's French first. Oh, that's true. But we we can figure it out. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. We like we, we do imports from Quebec all the time, right? It's just I think it's more along the lines of like this isn't necessarily the audience, and I don't know what the tabletop presence is in Quebec. I know that the video game presence is next level, but I'm not sure what tabletop looks like. So there's that um the philadelphia convention center is extremely accessible it's it's accessible by train you can get down there fairly easily by car you can get there easily from the airport it's just like in the downtown area in philadelphia is awesome it's really great there's good food everywhere the people are kind of rough around the edges and kind of gruff like in new york but uh they're still really nice so
1: you know he's a philly
0: it's silly. It's fine. I mean, There's cheesesteaks there.
1: Um, I, y- yeah, man. I mean,
0: for me, that's a big draw. I go to Sonny's with the family, and then we go over next door to Happily Ever After, and we get butterbeer.
1: That sounds great. I've, Pretty dope. Um, you
0: need to come You need to, come to Fax and Plug next year.
1: I'm Listen, both Linda and I, I mean, this year was, Linda and I were trying to figure it out. Uh, but then John had his back surgery. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, man, listen, considering the week I had, could you I imagine? Know. I would have no. had to cancel last minute. No. Um, this last couple of weeks have been rough. So um, did you see a lot of kids there?
0: Yes, actually, I did. I saw a ton of kids there. There were kids in strollers. There were kids, like, there were toddlers there. There were young children. Like, it was very family-friendly. And, I... and the nice thing about the um, Philadelphia Convention Center is that you can bring a stroller because it's huge.
1: Yeah. I think board games lend themselves more to having kids there by nature of the fact that, like, if you bring your kid to the show floor at, like, PAX East, right? Like, it's crowded, but, like, I'm not so worried about, like, the crowds. Like, whatever. Um, I mean, that's because, I mean, it's crowded. There's lots of places where it's crowded, and there's ways to deal with that. But if you bring your kid to the show floor at... Packs East and you try and roll into the Indie Mega Booth, like invariably you're going to see some game that's like Headshot Central they're going to have the eSports you know, Call of Duty guys playing and you know, like you are more likely to see something that is not your jam or you don't want to be your kid's jam just by nature of the fact that it's on giant screens whereas board games like there are definitely some board games that are not topically appropriate for kids right they just but um they're on a board and you know maybe there's some art but like and maybe some of those artists on standees right but like it's not on a giant 180 inch television hanging from the ceiling and now admittedly you and i go and we're like yeah let's check out <laughs> mortal kombat hanging from the ceiling because well, like we're grown-ups maybe
0: not me i don't like okay. hyper violence makes my stomach turn these days okay. i'm a total weirdo
1: okay but let, let's take mortal kombat out um, how about a game that we absolutely know that in a couple of years is going to be hanging from the ceiling at PAX East? Diablo 4. Ah! Oh, so, beauty. like, we know for a fact that there's going to be, like, a demon on the ceiling.
0: True. I'm and, really looking forward to demons on the ceiling. Right? And that's...
1: And that's... Blizzard does that, like, as a matter of course. They're just like, yeah, cool. And so, whereas at packs unplugged you know there will definitely they're definitely demons there right um but it's way easier to go and you'll walk by them and you'll be at the game right booth right yeah and you'll walk by nora and her crew like doing stuff or you'll walk by Iello and it's like you know there's you can it, it I don't want to say it's friendlier because I think PAX is by and large, very friendly. But what I mean is the environment is softer in that even the sharper edges are harder to bump into just because, you know, they're going to be walking around. They're just going to see people playing board games on tables. And yeah, maybe there's going to be some cool demon figs, but whatever. They're just figs. Um, and so that is, that's one of the, that's the impression that I got there. And I feel the same way when I go to places like, um, you know the Boston Festival of Independent Games, which, speaking of places yeah. that people need to go, you need to come with me next year. Um, where you go to the video game section, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> man, that was a little—that was a little bit much. I walked in there. And um, Evan has feelings because he he goes to Fig with me every year. Um, and but the board, but the board game area, like again, there's pretty heavy stuff on some of those games. But not a big deal because it's kind of – they're on tables. They're, you know, where you go into the video game section and you see some things. So um, – and so I think that that's a really interesting thing to keep in mind. And parents – I would bring my kids, all three of them, to PAX Unplugged without a problem. Whereas I would think twice about my younger kids at PAX East, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's pretty fair.
1: Um. So yeah, that's packs unplugged. That's our some of our thoughts on packs unplugged. Um, Amanda, uh, would you yeah. believe it if I told you that this was episode two hundred and four of engaged no. of the engaged family gaming podcast? We did Dang. it. We we managed. got like
0: two hundred and four. Go us.
1: Look at us. We did it. Um. The good news is, um, I'm in charge. So uh, no one can okay. cancel us. Um, so <laughs> um, the um, so Funny folks, yeah, it is true. No one can cancel me, uh, but me. So um, everybody, I appreciate you guys listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening as much as Amanda and I enjoyed recording it. A little bit of a programming note: um, this will be our final episode for 2019. Um, normally, I close up shop for the last two weeks of. The year we're actually going to bump that up to three this year for a couple of reasons. One, um, this just Christmas is coming in hot, and Amanda and I, being parents, um, need we to. So many children. We have there's just so many children that we're all responsible for, um, and so, um, so we're we're going to kind of chill for a little bit. I would encourage you, however, if you for some reason just can't not hear my voice, I get it. Um, I don't really, but I'll just say I get it. Um, I would encourage you because I will be continuing my EFG Daily Commute podcast, which you can read, uh, or well, not read, listen to at gaming.com slash commute. Um, I'll be continuing that throughout the winter and show and, and have no plans of stopping. Um, but this will be our last Engaged Family Gaming podcast until the beginning of the year, where we will start talking about our games of 2019 and our most anticipated games of 2020 and then i i know i said i was going to get a bunch of guests on for episode two after episode 200 believe it or not getting guests on during the holiday season is really darn hard
0: extremely um, difficult
1: and also amanda and i have you know it's it's tough for us to adjust both of our schedules to accommodate guests um but we're working on it
0: not as much anymore.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Um, also, I haven't asked you because I—it's complicated, guys. Getting guests on podcasts is probably the hardest thing that podcasters ever do. I underestimated it. Um, forgive me. With that said, folks, y'all know y'all know that I try my best. Um, so we will see you all in the early parts of 2020. Um, from Amanda and I. We wish you the happiest of holidays. Um, play some games. Take some of our recommendations or don't. Um, and, um, you know, we'll be back to celebrate 2019 and then look forward into 2020.
0: So excited. Happy holidays, everyone.
1: And until next time, don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see all y'all soon. Bye now. Bye. Music for the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast is Android Sock Op by Kevin McLeod, an audio production by Six Pack Nerds Productions.